Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 4, where we left off last week, kind of doing what we call a refresher on the subject of faith. How many enjoyed Brother Greg Fritz teaching on faith? Kind of just picked up where I left off on Sunday, amen? So that was a great blessing. We invite you also, you know, this being our anniversary, I was thinking of all the, I could sit here probably for several hours and talk about the glorious things we've experienced in, in ministry. And, uh, you know, just ministering to thousands of people and standing in front of large crowds, seeing tremendous moves of the Holy Ghost. Uh, many people healed, many saved. I think about jungle crusades we did in Honduras, uh, ministry in Hawaii, ministry in Ireland, all over the United States, uh, even in Europe and Finland and, and Wales and Scotland and uh, England, uh, in Israel, uh, other places we ministered in the Philippines, great churches, great uh, ministers' conferences. And uh, then to be privileged to be in just in services, uh, Brother Hagen's Holy Ghost meetings. Uh, we used to schedule meetings so we could be there in different places where he was and would just experience just the glory of God. And tremendous, uh, when I was in Bible school, tremendous services at Lakewood. I remember one time at Christmas time, a, a lady came and, and sang. She was 19 years old. She was an opera singer. And she sang this Christmas carol. And the, you literally the glory of God fell in that place. And that's the only thing that happened all night long. It was like you blinked your eyes and two hours had gone by. And you're like, where am I? You know, I mean, it's just glorious. And so we've, we've really been, Lee and I have been just tremendously privileged uh, to live uh, in, the, in the glory and the power of God for the 34 years of our marriage. But I'm going to tell you something. I've never experienced anything more powerful than what's going on in that prayer room right now. I've never experienced the depth of the Spirit, the strength of the Spirit, the clarity of the Spirit, and the pull of the Spirit that's taking place. This was our most powerful week. Uh, we averaged about uh, 24, 25, 26 on Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. But on Saturday, Wednesday, and Sunday, there was almost 50 people back there. And you say, well, Pastor, if it gets too big, can we come out in the auditorium? No, we're going to put it back there. That's where I've said this, that that's where the touch of God is. And if we've got to put chairs in the hall, then we'll just do that. But if you've not come and been a part of that, you need to. And I know not everybody can come every night, but any night that you can come, don't just sit there and think, well, you know, I could have gone, I should have gone. Don't do that. Because there is a draw. There is a real stirring of the Spirit. Literally, you know, I'm, I'm real given to, to uh, prophetic uh, you know, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And we haven't had any in there till last night and the night before. And God has said some incredibly powerful things to us. So it's something that's happening in your church. You may not think much of it, but pastors from all over the world are calling me and saying, how are you doing that? And I'm telling them, I don't know. All you need to do is start praying. And if you'll start praying, God will send one, then he'll send two, and that'll make three. Then he'll send three more, and that'll make six. And then he'll send six more, and that'll make 12. You just got to start. And if you'll start, then God will touch it. I believe that we are living in the most critical hours of humanity that humanity's ever known. The potential for disaster is off the scale. Off the scale. And many times we sit in 
apathy, complacency, just kind of thinking, you know, the clock's going to continue to tick, the calendar's going to continue to turn, but I'm going to tell you, the events that are on the planet right now are conspiring to bring the end of this age. I thank God. You know, we don't think about it much, but I thank God Jesus said, uh, uh, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. And we are living in the days of the end of this age right now. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just kind of believing everything's going to go back to normal. It's not. It's going to get crazy. Uh, the Lord showed us this in the Spirit. No matter who gets elected, it's not going to stop the craziness. It ain't going to do it. You say, why? Because it's loosed on the earth. It's the nature of the hour that we're living in. But thank God there's a stirring of prayer. It's going to lead to revival in the church. It's going to lead to awakening in this area. It's going to lead to harvest in the world. Amen? Praise God. Romans chapter 4, we're studying the subject of faith. Now remember this about faith. Just a few things to, to kind of refresh you and bring you up to, to your own understanding. I know most of you have this understanding, especially if you've been coming here for a while and many of you sat under other ministries that taught faith. But remember, most, people, most people's understanding of faith in what we would call Christianity is kind of the definition of what or how they believe. They're like, you know, I've heard many people I, I've witnessed to on planes and, and different places, and, and they will look at me kind of puzzled and say, of what faith are you? And, and, and basically that statement means, well, are you, a, are you a Baptist? Are you a Catholic? Are you a Methodist? When actually that has nothing to do with faith. That has nothing to do with faith at all. Faith is the only thing in the Word of God that is described as something that without it you cannot please God. Faith is actually the ability to embrace in the seen realm what is declared by God, His promises, and then actually allow it to stimulate the belief system of the human being and bring out of the unseen realm that which God has already provided for us through redemption. It's how you should live your life. You know, when the faith message really began to talk, different men begin to get revelation of faith. Uh, uh, many, many denominations were cl so close to it and many of the pioneers of the teaching of faith came out of the Baptist denomination because they understood the new birth. They understand the only way to get saved is by faith. For, for, by, uh, for, great, for by grace you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God, at least any man should boast. But then they begin to go into faith for healing and faith for finances and faith for your business and faith for your marriage and faith for your family and faith operating in all of these different dimensions of life, not just meeting your need, but also helping you to go in and possess everything God says belongs to you. Amen. So we know the basic principles of faith. Number one, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. The Word is the only source of faith. Thank God for inspirational testimonies. Thank God for good stories of faith. But only by the Word of God can faith come into your heart. Then we know the primary way in which faith is released is through confession. You need a faith-based confession. A lot of people have fought the confession message over the years, and many of them had the right to because of the, uh, because of the error many people got into. People got in the ditch on one side of, of saying, well, you know, uh, 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 I'm going to just confess. My, I'm going to confess God, give me 100 oil wells. Well, you, you can't even believe God to fill your car up with gas. How are you going to believe God for 100 oil wells? Amen. I mean, other people get on the other side of the ditch and, you know, you can't say anything. Somebody say good grief. They say, don't say good, don't say grief. You know, no, no. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Your faith-based confession. The word confession means to say the same thing as. Everybody say same thing as. Say it again. 
That means the Word says, by His stripes ye were healed. So you say, by His stripes I am healed. The Word says, my God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you say, my God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, this works in two arenas. Everybody say arenas. I know what arenas. You got a, a rodeo arena here and there. They're roping and, and running barrel racing, and over here they got one where they're bucking bulls and horses. You got two arenas. In faith, you have two arenas. The arena in which you worship God with the word, your confession. Thank you, Father. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Thank you, Father. You've delivered me from the power of darkness, translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. Thank you, Lord. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law. Oh, I worship you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I declare it true in my life. Then the other arena is where you leave God, you leave your praise, you leave your worship, and you turn to the circumstance or the adversary or the demon power or whatever it is that's tormenting you, trying to make you sick, trying to disturb your mind, whatever it's doing, and you say, it is written, I've been delivered from the power of darkness, translated in the kingdom of his dear son. It is written, the same spirit that raised Christ. See, you use it both for worship. Worship is that affirmation and confirmation of the word in your heart. Then you use it for authority, which is application of the word of God to your given situation. Too many people are sitting around to wait, uh, waiting. Well, God's going to do something. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. No, he's not. He has empowered you to do it because he's already done everything he's going to do. Well, we're just believing God to save some people. He's already saved everybody. I don't believe in some eternal salvation for all people, not at all. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we support missionaries. That's why we're praying every night. The Bible says with Zion travails, sons and daughters will be born into the kingdom of God. We're doing everything we know to do to get what God has already done onto the earth. God's not going to heal anybody. He's already healed everybody. But it must be believed on, it must be appropriated, it must be confessed, and it must be applied to your given situation. Amen? Just simple principles of faith. Then, once we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, then we act on the Word of God. Faith without works that's dead. It says there in the book of James, three different times in the same chapter, faith without works is dead. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? As the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That means as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, what will come is an unction or an inspiration to act upon your faith. Amen. There's been many times fighting sickness and disease where I've worshipped God, worshipped God, but there were, still, there were still symptoms in my body. Still in my body, but I'm saying, thank you, Father, that I'm healed. Thank you that by his stripes I'm healed. Thank Listen, I'm not denying that there's symptoms. I'm applying the word to those symptoms to drive them out of my body. Amen. And then all of a sudden, it's like you forget you're sick. You forget there's pain. And then you kind of look for it a day or so later. And you, well, praise God, I'm healed. A lot of people, I think, are looking for some explosion, a bright light, some vision. No, it's, it's really simple. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, act on the Word of God. And while you're acting on the Word of God, continue to thank God that the promise belongs to you. That makes it real easy. Amen? Now, here in Romans chapter 4, did you find it? Let's begin there in verse, uh, verse 17. 
As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is God speaking to a man named Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, speaking of Abraham's response to God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Not calling those things that are as though they're not. Did you get that? See, that's what a lot of people think. Faith is just, a, well, I'm not sick, and, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. Well, you, you probably are. You better apply some faith to it and get delivered from it. Amen. Abraham did not go around just denying. He believed God. Now, I like this translation. It says, faith speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. If you study redemption, you know, in the, in the letters to the church, and this is a great study for anybody who wants to study the Bible, to study who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, is to go through the Bible, uh, the, 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 the letters to the church. You know, they're Romans and First and Second Corinthians and uh, Ephesians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, Timothy, all those wonderful books, Hebrews, all those wonderful books, and just write down every scripture you say See, that says the words in him, in Christ, or in whom. There's approximately 132, and then there's two or three in there that do not directly say it, but they infer it. Amen? I just quoted one. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It's the, the words in whom, or in Christ, or in him is not in there, but it directly relates to who we are, what we have, or what we can do in Christ. See what I mean? You say, well, tell us what they are. No, go dig them out. Amen. Do your own digging and you'll have your own treasure. If I dig for you, it'll be my treasure. Do your own digging, you'll have your own treasure. Now, it says, uh, who calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now, notice this. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So we know according to Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. But now hope is mentioned two times in this verse. But one of them has the word against. Who against hope believed in hope. Almost sounds like an abstract saying. But actually God is revealing to us that there are two kinds of hope. There is human hope. And then there's spiritual hope, just like there's two kinds of faith. There is spiritual faith, heart faith, or there is head faith or human faith. Head faith, human faith, has to see it, has to smell it, has to touch it, has to hear it, has to feel Well, when I see it, I'll believe it. I tell you, when I see it, I'll believe it. That's not, God, that's not the God kind of faith. That is human faith, and that won't get you anything from God. What if you treated heaven like that? Think you'd get there? Well, I believe, I believe there's a heaven when I get there. You'll believe in hell a lot quicker. What are you going to have to do? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. According to 1 John, it says that we know we have eternal life, not just believe it. You can go from believing to knowing. You can believe you're healed, then you can know you're healed. You can believe you're prosperous, then you can know you're prosperous. Listen, one of the ways we know heaven's real is we get to experience a little bit of it here on the earth. Didn't Jesus say, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So you've got to learn to 
reject human hope. Human hope always has in it the element of doubt and unbelief. You know, it's, uh, you, you, you see a storm gathering, uh, you're getting your family ready for a picnic, or you're going yourself somewhere to, to enjoy some, some outside activity, and you look back in the east, and there's this big black cloud. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's lightning, and you think, well, I hope it don't rain. Well, it's going to rain. I, I was blessed to teach Bible school in one particular school for 13 years, but in many Bible schools around the country and around the world, I was able to teach taught on faith uh, many times, and, and especially here in the Gulf Coast area, I had a great illustration of human faith. Now, some of you can't relate to this at all, but some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Way back in the, in the, in the 80s, we had what we called here in the Houston area the Love You Blue days. How many remember the Love You Blue? We had Earl, and we had Bum, and we had Dan, and we had, you know, we had all these football players, and we had the Houston Oilers. Remember that silly song they used to sing? I thought they should have wrote a better song. Anyway, you would always hear in September, when the preseason began, you'd always hear these words, I hope the Oilers win the Super Bowl this year. Now you that were around those days, do you remember the element of doubt in that phrase? Can I get a better amen? You say, now why would you say that? They never won it. And we just always kind of expected, even if they got to the Super Bowl, something had happened. Their bus would wreck on the way, or something would happen. I mean, we'd, had to be, we'd gotten so close so many times that our hope was only human hope. The element of doubt was there. But the word hope, according to the spiritual application, where the Bible says there in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, so then faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's a different kind of hope. That is a word that literally means an expectation of pleasure. It's the word elpis. Everybody say elpis. No, not elpis. Elpis. E-L-P-I-S. Which means an expectancy associated with pleasure. Well, faith is the substance of things that you're expecting to receive. The reason a lot of people don't receive is they only live in the expectancy without putting the substance to it. You say, well, what is the substance of your healing is the Word. If you're a sinner, the substance of your salvation is the Word of God. Because you obey the word of God by doing what? Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Then you are saved. You obtain the new birth that was already supplied for you 2,000 years ago. How many here wish you'd have got saved one day sooner than you did? All of us do. Amen. One day, one week, one month, one year. Absolutely. Now notice, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now notice this. According to that which was spoken, they did not have a written word. They only had the spoken word of God. So shall thy seed be. Now notice this. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now the word came to Abraham initially. I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse thee. Amen. Then, uh, then following up on that word is that God was going to redeem the world through his seed. Well, he was like, well, okay, God, that's fine with me, but I ain't got no seed. 
I don't have no son. There's nobody but Eleazar that's in my household that can receive anything of mine if I were to die. I have no natural seed in the earth. Then God said this, I'm going to give you seed. I'm going to give you a son. And in that seed, the nations of the world will be blessed. Not only that, in that seed I'll rise up a nation. We know as the nation of Israel. Can I get a better amen? Now, all the things that God did for Abraham. He didn't start out as Abraham. He started out as Abram. The name Abram means chief or high shepherd. The word Abraham means the father of many nations. God also took him out and showed him all the stars and said, So shall thy seed be, as innumerable as the stars. Then he showed him the dust of the ground. He said, So shall thy seed be, as innumerable as the dust on the ground. So he was dealing with his eyes, his information gates, and he was imparting and reinforcing the promises in his mind at all times. Whether he looked up at the night or down during the day, or whether somebody called his name, Father of many nations. Now, could you imagine how awkward it was for people around him? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, he comes out of a prayer meeting one night. He'd been talking to God. And maybe it was one of his shepherds or, or somebody that worked for him. He said, uh, Mr. Abram, I need to talk to you about some sheep over in this. He said, wait, don't ever call me Abram again. I am now Abraham. The father of many nations. The guy would probably went, well, that, we'll call you anything you want to. You're the one that writes the checks, you know. <laughs> Amen. So everywhere they went, some people go, Abraham, Mr. Abraham, Abraham, Mr. Abraham, father of many nations, father of many nations, father of many nations. But there was no seed. There was no child. Sarah had not conceived. It had not happened. But the Bible said he was what? Strong in faith. Now, you got to get this. Strong in faith. Strong in faith, strong in faith, giving glory to God. Which means what? He'd already received. He'd already received. It's mine. I'm going to have a son. You could have went and argued with him. Abraham, you're 100 years old. You got an old lady for a wife. There ain't no way you're going to have no baby. Are you out of your mind? You, you just need to come to your senses. Thank God he didn't. I said, thank God he didn't. Listen. If you're looking for sensible, sensible religion, you're in the wrong place. You say, why do you say, about, say that? Because many times faith does not make sense. Give to get. Amen. Believe you receive before you have it. Worship God for something you have not experienced yet. That is what faith does. And you become strong and stronger in faith as you give glory to God for the promises that you are appropriating in your life. And this book is full of promises from cover to cover. All the promises of God are in Him, yea, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God by us. Anything you need, you can dig out of this book and claim it in Jesus' name. You can believe it in your heart, you can confess it with your mouth, and you can give God the glory. And you hang in there, God will bring it into manifestation and you will experience it. Amen. Now notice this. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, this is where we left off last week, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of bring it to a conclusion here. Then we'll pick it up next week and go on into chapter 5. He was persuaded. It's hard to convince someone persuaded 
that what they're persuaded of is not real. It's hard to do it. It's hard. It would be hard to convince me that, uh, let's see, it would be hard to convince me that I'm not saved. You couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it. Like Brother John Osteen said, you couldn't beat, beat, it out, beat it out of me with a baseball bat. The greasy spot on the ground would cry out, I'm more than a conqueror. Amen? You can't, you can't, listen, you cannot dissuade me of healing. I've been healed too many times. You can't do it. But the Bible says of Abraham, he was fully persuaded. Now here's something you have to understand about the word. That's why it is so important to sit under the teaching of the word, to read the word, to meditate upon the word, and to also memorize, embrace it, sing it, confess it, do whatever you need to do to keep the word for, at the forefront of your mind. Now let me just say this, because I've bumped up against this all the years I've been in ministry. There's a lot of people that will sit around doing this. Well, Pastor, I know that's all well and good, but you know, I'm, God's going to do something good in my life. I'm just kind of waiting on the Lord. It's going to happen. Now, all that faith stuff is good, but you know, God loves me. God loves me. How's that working for you? Now, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm trying to help you. That's not going to work for you. God loves you so much, He lets you in on how He does things. He loves you so much, He shows you the same principles Himself operates in. That's why it says over there in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter, uh, uh, yeah, Mark chapter, my mind just went blank. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Mark chapter 11, before he says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, he says this, Have faith in God, which actually is this, Have the God kind of faith. Not the human kind, the God kind. So God, God, God Almighty God, creator of everything is, was, and will ever be, says, I am God, but I'm going to give you insight on how I do things, and you get to do what? You get to act like me on the earth. You get to act like me. You get to speak things into existence. You get to be what? My children. Children reflect their parents. So you're going to have to speak things into existence. You're going to have to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to sit under the teaching of the Word of God through ministry gifts and the anointing. You're going to have to study it on your own. You're going to have to meditate it on your own. You're going to have to memorize it, sing it, speak it. Because as you do that, what's going to happen is my word is going to convince you of the reality of that which you cannot contact with your senses. No words on earth can do that but the word of God. I've always used the, the illustration of my invisible friend, Bob. Amen? So we start talking about Bob. Bob's six foot one. He weighs 175 pounds. He's got sandy brown hair, kind of graying at the edges. He doesn't wear glasses. I start talking, describing, talk about his background. And then I announce to the church, we're going to have a Bob conference. So after our Bob conference, you will know there is an invisible man coming to Island Church named Bob. You'll know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So you come on Sunday night, and I talk about Bob for two hours. You come on Monday, uh, Tuesday night, I talk about Bob for two hours. You come on Wednesday night, I talk about Bob for two hours. And after the Wednesday night service, as you're walking out, you will come to this conclusion. There ain't no Bob. That pastor's an idiot, and so is Bob. You say, now why would you say that? Because my words have no power to convince you of something you cannot contact with your senses. 
Now let me say that again. My words have no power to convince you of anything you cannot contact with your senses. But what about God's word? See, you've already experienced that. You wouldn't even be here right now. You wouldn't even believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You wouldn't believe there's a heaven. You wouldn't believe there's angels. You wouldn't believe there's healing power. You wouldn't believe in any of that unless there was a power beyond human power to convince you of the reality of it. That's called revelation knowledge. That's when God himself reaches down into your heart and your spirit and uncovers from the source his reality and faith comes to you. That's why people have fought it. They misunderstand it. You say why? It's the greatest threat to darkness on the earth. It is the application of the life and light of God to the death that's on this planet. And thank God, when we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth, when by faith we were born again, we stepped out of death into life, out of darkness into light, now we are children of the kingdom of God and the kingdom operates on different rules than this world system. You say, Pastor, this whole world's fallen to pieces. The kingdom's not. So it looks like the whole world's going to just fall head over heels into financial uh, uh, anarchy. Well, I don't doubt it. You keep printing money the way you're doing it and it's going to happen. But in the kingdom, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ. And if it takes a wheelbarrow load of $100 bills to buy a loaf of bread, guess who's going to own more wheelbarrows than anybody in Galveston Island Church is? You say, why? Because we know in the unseen realm is the provision laid up for all men and all women that would dare to believe the word the provision of God, and especially for this late date, this last hour, as we come to the end of an age, the culmination of all that God has meant for this dispensation to have, don't you think He's not going to leave us, forsake us, He's with us always, even until the very end of the age. Aren't you glad? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you the word of God is working mightily in us. Thank you, Lord God. The book of Acts says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Father, we claim that here at Island Church, that your word is growing and prevailing. Growing in our hearts, growing in our minds, prevailing over Sin and unrighteousness, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, oppression, depression, addiction, no matter what it may be, your word is growing and prevailing. Father, in this last hour in which we're living in, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in panic. We don't have to accept the pain and drama of this current situation. We can rise above it in faith so that we can declare one day, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. You can think you're right with God. That doesn't make you right with God. What makes you right with God is your obedience to His Word. 
Salvation does not come by joining a church, putting on a religious symbol, reading a religious book. It comes by obeying the Bible, which says simply, if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God in heaven raised His Son Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the only way to heaven. That's the only way into the kingdom of God. Jesus himself coined the phrase, born again. And he said, if you're not born again, you will not understand the kingdom of heaven, which is the way God chooses to do things. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I've been born again. But I haven't been able to live that life. I've strayed. I've let sin distract me. I've let what's going on in the world totally, totally get on top of me. I have no joy. I have no peace. I'm not where I should be with God. I also need to get right. So anybody in those two categories needing to be saved or needing to just come back to God, restore your fellowship, and you need prayer this morning, would you lift your hand? Nobody looking around but me. Praise God. We see one hand. God bless you. You can put it down once you've raised it. You don't have to keep it up. Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly. Another hand. God bless you. Anyone else would raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to I be included in that prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Holly. Okay, everybody stand if you will. And I want us all to pray this prayer out loud. I believe three or four have raised your hand. And you that have raised your hand, I want you to be sure and repeat this prayer after me out loud so your own ears hear what your voice is saying. The church is going to help you. Everybody here is going to pray the same prayer. You pray it, but after you pray it, you settle it that you're right with God and you're going to stay right with God. Amen? Can I get a better amen? Church, we're going to help them? Here we go. Heavenly Father. I thank you for your son Jesus that he came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Heavenly Father, areas of my life in which I struggle, where I need help, I ask your forgiveness thanking you that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. So I thank you, Father, as I stand in Island Church on August 9th, 2020. I am right with God. Jesus is my Lord. My sins are forgiven. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Now, for you that are interested, 7.30 tonight will be Kid Current praying. Come be a part of that. It is really glorious. You would enjoy it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much. As is our tradition, we appropriate by faith your promises for protection, for safety. Lord, these, these highways we have to travel these jobs we have to go to, this pandemic we have to stand against, the, the, the anarchy in our world, 
We thank you no evil befalls us, no plague comes to our dwelling place, angels have charge over us, a thousand can fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, it shall not come nigh us. We believe it, we confess it, we act upon it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in our travels, the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare safety and protection. Father, in, in our righteous labor, there, there are many in the church that work in the medical field. Lord, many work up at the petrochemical plants. Others, we have contractors. Lord, we have, uh, we have those that work in offices, those that work in retail, those that work in real estate. In every endeavor to handle the resource you've given us, thank you for blessing, protection, increase, and an anointing to prosper in the midst of all of this. Thank you for it, Father. And Lord, while we're praying, those in education, our teachers, our administrators, our students, we reject this foul notion that schools need to be shut down. That is a lie. We need our schools to operate, their activities to come online, our, our football players, our baseball players, our bands, our, 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 our debate teams. We need our educational system up and running. We do not need virtual church nor virtual school in Jesus' name. So we ask that your hand would move on behalf of our prayer today. To open our schools, bless and protect our teachers, and cause all of our students to prosper this year like never before. Father, we thank you for the door of utterance. Let all of us recognize and realize that we have a testimony that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, that in our lives is light and life that needs to be distributed to others who are dying, confused, and in pain right now, in fear. And Lord, we have the answer. So we thank you this week, each and every one of us will have ample opportunity to be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil, and a miracle in someone's life. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, and we thank you for how you love us. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for the people we do life with in the church. Thank you for Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.